Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. So excited this morning for the, the morning message, and uh, we have seemed like we've just uh, with the Friday services and this morning, and we've just uh, been able to really um, saturate our minds with with what this weekend represents. And I, I hope that has been the case for all of you. Um, and so we're going to be in the first chapter of Genesis. I hope that you'll. Uh, Give me a little patience saying, what in the world does that have to do with, uh, with uh, Easter Sunday? But I, I trust that I will be able to show you before the message is over. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 is where we'll be reading. <clears throat> but I want to ask a question before we read the text. Um, has anyone ever thought about, um, the old preachers used to talk about it a lot. It seemed like, the, seemed like we don't hear about it quite as much anymore. But they, but they used to always talk about um, the fundamentals of, of the faith. You know, you can't be a Christian if you don't believe in the virgin birth, right? You can't be a Christian if you don't believe in, in the atonement of the blood for our sins. There, there were certain fundamentals you had to have. But has anyone ever wondered why you have to believe in the resurrection? Doesn't it seem like if you believed in Jesus dying on the cross, that'd be enough? Why do we need the resurrection? And, you know, we, we, we've come out here Friday and we talked about that Jesus died and his sacrifice on the cross paid for my sins. So I get to go to heaven. Right. And I don't have to go to hell. So why can't we just believe that? And if we don't believe the resurrection, it's 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 kind of like icing on the cake. It doesn't really matter that much. Right. But but they say that's a fundamental that you have to believe is the resurrection. Right. And I want to try to understand this morning why that is the case. Why that is the case. So, um, <clears throat> so let's stand and honor God's word. And Genesis chapter one, <clears throat> verse number twenty-six. <clears throat> I'd like to start with. <clears throat> and God said, "That's a good place to start." <laughs> Amen. And God said. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish in the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which the, is the fruit of the, of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for me, 
And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Let us pray. Father, how I thank you for this day, what it represents, how I thank you for what we've been able to receive already. Thank you for your sweet presence. Lord, now I thank you for the message you've given us. I, I, I pray that you'd help me not to interfere, not to get in the way. I pray that you would remove me out of the way. And Lord, not allow my flesh to Lord keep your people from hearing from you. And may we all go away, Lord, with greater appreciation of what you've done, we pray in Jesus' holy name. And amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> so I'm going to try to show you why we have the resurrection, why we need the resurrection. I, you know, I, I think by the look on your face and the nodding of your head, seemingly everybody here uh, understands that we need the resurrection. It's not enough just to have Good Friday. We need the resurrection. Amen. Uh, but why? What does it have to do with anything? And we want to understand that. So. So I would like for to look at this scripture here and understand that God designed a perfect life. A perfect life. Now if you if you read the scriptures, what does it mean to you that the God of heaven when he got it all done looked around and said, "This is very good." I think about that. This is very good. He, he put his approval on it. If you will, he inspected everything he did. He said, this is very good. I want you to understand that Adam had a perfect body. It, it was perfect in every way. There was no sickness. It was, it was perfectly uh, uh, in every proportion. Uh, his strength was strong. He, he was a very perfect man. And not only did he have a perfect body, uh, but he was a perfect man, women. He was a perfect man who would always do everything right. And all the women said, Amen. <laughs> Eve was a perfect woman. She was beautiful. She was, she was ex- perfect in every way. She had a perfect body. She was, she was healthy in every way. And she was the perfect wife. They had the perfect marriage. They lived in paradise. Everything there was beautiful. You ever thought about this? There were no dead leaves. Marianne, there was nothing that needed pruned or put away. It was all perfect. You'd have to, it was just beautiful. The fruit, can you imagine how good that fruit was? It was just, just perfect. Everything about life was perfect. They had a perfect marriage. They had perfect health. They had perfect bodies. They had a perfect place to live. They, they had paradise all around them. They, everything was in subjection to them, and, and everything was perfect. And on top of all of that... They had perfect fellowship with God. How you beat that? How you beat that? Brother Richard, would you open the back doors for us, brother? We got a lot of people fanning here. I think everybody's burning up on us. Thank you, brother. <clears throat> Very hard to regulate the, what, with the weather the way it is outside, but uh, hopefully that a little relief in for us. So we have a perfect, we have a perfect place with perfect people that God designed. I want to ask this question. Have you ever thought about the fact, what would have happened 
if Eve had never ate from that tree. Ever thought about that? So we've got a perfect man, a perfect woman with perfect bodies that have a perfect marriage and they go and they have perfect kids who are perfect in every way. Personality, health, every way. They're perfect. They go marry their companions who are perfect and they have kids who are perfect and they there is no health issues. Their bodies are perfect. Their marriages are perfect. Their surrounding is perfect. Their family is perfect. They're, and they're all in perfect relationship with God. And so we fast forward 6,000 years and we are here on the planet today. And every single person on the entire planet is perfect with health. And they're perfect in a fellowship with God. And their marriages are perfect. And their family is perfect. And everything is perfect. What about that world? What about that world? You know, if they hadn't tasted the... That was God's design. That was God's design. Everything was perfect. There was no... Uh, uh, it drives me crazy sometimes when I hear these... The number one question that's always asked, how could a loving God allow people to suffer? Well, the answer to me is obvious. He didn't plan it that way. We chose that. Right? Little children starving and, and all the uh, health issues we have and all the things that are wrong. We chose that way. We said, I would rather have sin than to have God. So if we had not done that, we would be living in paradise today. Amen? Anybody here like to sign up for a perfect body? Amen. 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 A perfect body? I'm not going to ask if anybody wants a perfect spouse, but because uh, I already got one, by the way. But anyways, so, but... That's what we would have had if we would have stayed in the garden. Right? But we know the story. Eve did eat of the tree that she was told not to. Adam partook of the tree. And they plunged the entire race into sin. God said in the moment that you do that, you will die. In the day that you do that, you will die. We preached some time back. This is really exciting. I really want you guys to get this. I, I, I pray the Lord will help me not to mess this up because it's so very exciting. I preached about the body, soul, and spirit. But on that day, when they had perfect fellowship with God, when they lived in a perfect place, when their bodies were perfect, when everything was perfect, when everything was exactly the way God wanted it to be, and God said it was very good, in that day that they sinned against God, their spirit died that day. And their flesh was cursed by God. So we all know the story. Just review real quickly. So they live in a perfect place. And God says, I'm going to curse the earth. So he curses the earth. Now we have weeds and we have briars and we have dead trees and we have fruit that's not any good and we have to go out and try and make it work better because it doesn't do right on its own and the earth is cursed uh, not only is it the 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 fruit that we bear but the but now we have earthquakes and we have uh, hurricanes and we have typhoons and tsunamis and all the things that we have all the natural disasters not only that but God cursed man and God cursed woman and, and God and we won't go through all the curses but let me just say this here our bodies were cursed in the garden So physically, Adam continued to live, but he was cursed. Right? And Eve continued to live, but she was cursed. And they lived in a sin-cursed world. Okay, I need you to follow me here. 
and their spirit was dead. Now they had, they had a son, and they had another son, right off the bat, second generation after this, the brother kills the brother. The consequence of sin. And everything since then has just, to the point that just a few chapters later, God looks around the entire planet and says, they're continually evil all the time. I've got to destroy everybody here except for Adam and his, or besides Noah and his family. Amen? So, so it's a mess. It is a mess since we sinned against God. And sin now rules over mankind. Okay? So I would like to preach a message this morning back to the garden. Now, I was thinking... If I, if I had a way, you know, we got this, we got this tomb here and, and, and it kind of looks a lot like a garden. And I, I was thinking if I could come up with a way that I could get all of you back to the garden and you could have a perfect body and you could have a perfect spouse and you could have a perfect life and live in a perfect world, I could sell that for millions of dollars and I'd sell everyone I had. Am I right? Anybody want to go? Anybody want to go back to that perfect life? And you say, Pastor, that's silly. Well, no, hang on. It's not silly. We're going to preach about back to the garden. So if we all agree that in the beginning God designed a perfect life, if we all agree that it would be that way today if we had we not chose to go against it, if we all understand that the curse, everything bad that is here now, is due to our sinning against God, if we all understand that, uh, the second point, so the first point was life in the garden. Life in the garden was perfect by design of God. And we're going to look at the resurrection as a way to get back to the garden. So turn with me, if you will, second point, life that groans. This is so very interesting. And why well, I'd like to have a long time to preach on it. And it's just going to be a reference verse this morning. Uh, but just how tremendous this is, uh, as we read in the eighth chapter of uh, Romans, <clears throat> please turn there with me. I'd like for you to read this. So we're, we're looking now at life after the curse. So we're living in a day we no longer have perfect bodies. Amen? We have health problems. Amen? We, we have family problems. We have marriage problems. We have all these things that happen. And the world around us is just cursed. And we have to work for a living and we have to toil. And, and there's all of, the, all of the, the troubles of life is a, is a consequence of the curse that came on man. So life that groans, point number two. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 20, follow along with me. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. What in the world does all that mean? Well, let's look at just a few things here. Um, the word vanity, it says 
uh, verse number 20, for the creature was made subject to vanity. The word vanity, the definition of the Greek word is uh, devoid of truth, perverse, and depravity. Has anybody seen any of that lately? Anybody turn their TV on and see any of that? Anybody ever go to Walmart and see any of that? <laughs> there's perverseness all over. There, there's depravity all over. There's, a, there's, there's a, uh, a lack of truth everywhere. A sin abounds and we are, we are living in that world. We are subject to that vanity. And then it says um, in verse number 21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. That word corruption is moral decay. But it says we shall be delivered from that by the glorious liberty of the children of God. So we are living in a perverted world. Can I get an amen? Amen. Living in a perverted world. And it is sin cursed. And we are subject to all of the perversion that is around us. But the Bible says that the creature, you and I, can be delivered from that corruption uh, by the liberty of the children of God. Okay? Now, it says that we have the first fruit of the Spirit. Those of us that are Christians, we have the first fruit of the Spirit. Our spirit is back to life, as we learned some weeks ago. And, and But then we groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. And we don't have time to flesh all that out, but let's try to, uh, um, let's try to uh, put it all together and package it. I looked up the word, this is interesting to me. In verse 22, I looked up the word groaneth in the original language. And literally what that means is, get this, this is really kind of astounding to me. That word groaneth, it means everybody is groaning together. Isn't that what we're doing? Aren't we all just saying, this life's messed up. We're all just groaning together. Christians, non-Christians, the world, everybody, that we're groaning together. And that's what it says, the creature is groaning. We're, gro- we're, we're all saying it's not, it's not supposed to be this way. It's, this life is messed up. And the reason it's messed up is because we sinned against God. So we groaned together. And all of creation groans together. But you and I who are Christians are different from everybody else. And that's what I want to show you here just in a moment. And when it says we wait for the redemption of the body, my flesh did not get saved. My spirit got saved. My flesh is still under the curse. It's still a descendant of Adam. So, let me ask you this question. I, I have an analytical mind, as you all know, and I, I have this, um, I can't help but just everywhere I go to analyze everything that I see. And I'm at work, and I am at Walmart, and I am at, you know, going out to a restaurant, and I'm at church, and I'm just everywhere to go. And you know what I analyze from everywhere that I go? People are not happy. People are not happy. I mean, I listen to the guys at work, and, and they, just, they just complain about everything. And you go into town and people are just unhappy and complain about everything. Their life is miserable and family's miserable and finances are miserable. Just, just miserable. 
And, and then they think, well, the solution is uh, drugs or, or alcohol or sex or money and all these things. I, I, will, I will fix my misery with these things. But after they take the drugs and the alcohol and the sex and the money, they still say, I am miserable. Doesn't make them happy. Because you can't fix this curse with anything on earth. Can I say that again? You can't fix this curse with anything on earth. There's only one way to fix this curse. And it is Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's only one way to fix it. And so the last point I want to look at. So we we start out life in the garden. And and then we... uh, Then we have life that groans, point number two. And point number three, life in the gospel. Isn't the gospel amazing? I mean, seriously, isn't it amazing? Well, we've tried this weekend to really just say how amazing it is. A lot of us have been saved for a long time. A lot of us have heard it over and over and over again. But can I tell you today, as I stand here before you, grace is still amazing. It is still amazing. And the fact that I don't have to go to hell is still amazing. And the fact that he rose from the dead and that I can live victorious is still amazing. And it doesn't matter how many years you live, it should always be amazing to you. Amen? The gospel. Now, let me, let me say this first. <clears throat> this was kind of a, a eye-opening to me. I, I know I criticize very often the prosperity gospel. But there's a problem with the prosperity gospel, and it is this. The prosperity gospel preachers, this is what they tell you. If you will serve Jesus, Jesus will take away all the curse that God placed upon you. You'll have perfect health. You'll always have money. Life will, you'll never have any problems. Anything you have that's wrong, God is just going to fix it, and you'll have a perfect life here on earth. What they're saying is God's going to save your flesh. God never said he was going to save your flesh. You know, how many of you know Christians get sick? Amen. How many of you know Christians fall off the roof? <laughs> how many of you know that, that people uh, uh, have terrible things happen to them when they are a Christian? How many of you know that sometimes Christians have financial problems? Sometimes Christians struggle. God did not promise to save your flesh. The gospel, the gospel is not about a here and now of fixing your flesh, but the gospel is about giving you a spirit to go back to the garden. And that's what we want to talk about, going back to the garden with the gospel. So here is how I think very often the gospel is, is presented, it is perceived. I think this is how many, many sinners perceive the gospel This is how, unfortunately, I think sometimes Christians portray the gospel. So if you're lost here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, what we're we're asking you to do is give up all of your sinning. If you're sleeping around, can't do that anymore. If you're drinking, can't do that anymore. If you're you're lying, if you're cussing, you can't. So you've got to give up all your sinning, and then you're going to have to come to church that's boring all the time, and then you're going to have to do all those boring church things, and, and then your life is going to be just as messed up as everybody else's. But hey! You get to go to heaven when life is over. Who wants to come? Who wants to come and get some of that? We're, we're, you're going to be miserable from here on out, but hey, when you die, you get to go to heaven. Now, I've seen a lot of Christians, you know, that's the way I think it's perceived because I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of sinners tell me, well, I'd like to get saved, but it sounds like to me it's just going to be miserable after I get saved. 
I can't have no fun. I can't do anything I like to do. The church is boring and, and his life is going to be miserable. And I'm still young. I got 30, 40 years to live, but I'm going to be miserable from now on. But I don't want to go to hell. But you're asking me to just be miserable the rest of my life. Shame on us. Shame on us. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that's how it's presented so often. And can I just say, can I just say, and if you're here this morning, I hope that just convicts you. But there are some Christians I think came in that door. Because there are some Christians who have been saved a long time. And they have no joy. And they don't like life. And they're, and they're always miserable. But praise God, I get to go to heaven when it's over. That is not the Christian life. That is not what God died to give us. So what is the gospel for? We've already said, Jesus died on Friday to take away our sins. Hallelujah. We ought to say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have to go to hell. But it didn't stop there. Can I just say, if he would have just took away my sins, that's enough. That's enough. But he went to the grave. And he come walking out of the grave so I could live victorious right now and live and, and overcome the devil and overcome all that is in this world because Jesus rose from the dead. I'm not living a defeated life. We should not be living a defeated life. Shame on us when we represent the gospel as a boring, dead, a miserable life. It's the most exciting life you can ever live. Amen. And, and can I just say this? If we as Christians would get a hold of this, sinners would want it. Sinners would want it. They would say, so I have to give up all my fun and never do anything good again and be bored the rest of my life and then I get to go to heaven? And some dear old saint will say, if you love God enough, you just do that. No, that's the wrong answer. The answer is, your life is miserable and you don't understand it. If you get saved, you'd have a good life. That's the answer. And if we would show them how good being a Christian is, they'd say, I want some of that. Wasn't, I know I pick on him all the time, but wasn't Brother Allen's testimony awesome last week? Remember when he got up here and said, getting bad news from the doctor, I got cancer, but I can honestly say, if I die tomorrow, God's been good to me. It ain't about fixing the flesh. It's about fixing the soul. I've talked to Brother Allen a lot, and, and, and well, he's lived quite the life. Is that all right, Brother Allen? You've lived quite the life. But man, has that man changed since Jesus got a hold of him. And he doesn't mope around saying, man, I can't go get drunk anymore, and I can't go have fun, and I can go to boring church, it's a miserable life, and I'm glad I get to... He said, it's the best life has ever been. Is anybody getting this? See, we're not giving up, we're getting... We're not, we're not sacrificing not having fun. The devil has us deceived. Those things are fun. How many of you know those things just destroy your life? But God wants to give you a life back in the garden. I don't know if I'm getting this across, but I'm so excited I'm losing place where I'm supposed to be. Now, I want you to understand the true gospel. That's not the true gospel. It's true that if you come and get saved this morning, you still might get sick. You may have a disease. You might die. You know, when you die, you get to go to heaven. Is that so bad? But I can't promise you if you come and get saved this morning, your health problems will all be gone. 
I can't promise you if you come and get saved that all of your problems on earth will be gone. I certainly can't promise you that God's going to fix your flesh. But I can make you this promise. If you'll come give your life to Jesus and you'll live according to His Word, it will be the best life you can ever live here on this earth. See, your spirit comes back to life. It is dead literally now. And your soul is miserable because your spirit is dead. And your soul is connected to your body which is sin-cursed and corrupt. And your soul cannot find contentment because it is tied to a dead body. And there is no spirit to connect to. And when your spirit becomes alive, all of a sudden life becomes real. You know, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life abundant. But you know, we often we get hung up on that word abundant. But can I just tell you, he came to give us life. Because we were all dead. Can I tell you very literally what the Bible teaches? You go down to Walmart when church is over. You just go see a whole bunch of dead people walking around down there. And they're miserable, and they're complaining, and they can't understand why life is miserable, and they're trying every way in the world to figure out how to fix it. And can I tell you how to fix it? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He fixes it. Now, I have life. My spirit has come to life. My soul can now be happy because it connects to my spirit. My flesh is still lost, and it's still sinful, and it still wants bad things. Brother Terry, I just got to keep kicking that guy down because he he won't do what's right, right? Paul literally said, buffet your flesh. He said, I buffet my flesh. Literally the idea of taking a club and hitting this guy over the head, getting him to behave. Because my flesh is never going to be saved. And my flesh is never going to do good. But my spirit is alive. And my soul can rejoice because I'm no longer dead. So let me try to draw you a picture of what the Christian life is supposed to be. I believe this. You can believe what you want. I believe this. And, and I rejoice in this message this morning because as I was preparing this message, I began to think about a lot of you that are coming to church here now. And I believe that many, many of you, most of you, are displaying what the gospel is supposed to be. I'm going to try and show you that. You know... As Christians, after we are saved, we've already said our flesh doesn't get fixed. But how many of you know we can go back to the garden? Now listen to me. You need, at this point, you need to pay real close attention. You'll say, Gary, you're, you're, you're all messed up. No, you've got to pay real close attention. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I've I got to brace myself. How many of you know that if we are saved and we do what the, now listen, if we do what the Bible says, we can go back to having perfect marriages. Anything about that? Can I just tell you real simple what the Bible says? If the wife will always submit to everything the husband says and the husband will always love her as Christ loves church, you can't not get along. Do I need to say that again? If the wife will always submit to the husband and the husband will always love her as Christ loved the church. You know, Christ loved the church when the church wasn't doing right. Christ loved the church when the church didn't deserve it. Christ loved the church when the church was unreasonable. Christ always loved the church and did what was right for her. 
If we did that, we could have perfect marriages right now. Now, me and Renee, uh, we have uh, the, the flesh that is still in our marriage. She has a flesh and I have a flesh. And both of us have lost flesh, sinful flesh. But I'm serious. I'm, I'm serious. How many of you know in the Spirit, our marriage can be perfect? Is anybody getting this? Show me where the world can offer you that. Show me where the world can offer you that. Where do you, where do you go? They have, there's all kinds of psychologists and marriage counselors and all these different crazy things, stupid things they have to say. But can I tell you, the world cannot give you a perfect marriage. It's not possible. Because you cannot have two selfish people wanting their own way and have a perfect marriage. How many of you know that if you are saved and you do what the Bible says, and, and especially you young ones that are here, and, and you are married and you do what the Bible says, not only can you have a perfect marriage, but how many of you know that you can have kids that are, that are what God wants them to be? And is anybody getting the picture that I'm drawing here? Going back to the garden. You say, wouldn't it be nice if we could just back up, Eve didn't eat the apple, now we have a perfect planet with perfect people and everything's perfect. That'd be great, but hey, we did, we, did. we chose sin. But in 2021, we can still go back to the garden and do it God's way. And in the Spirit, we can have a perfect marriage. And in the Spirit, we can have perfect kids. And in the Spirit, we can have perfect grandkids. And in the Spirit, we can have a perfect life because we are living in victory in Jesus. And you say, preacher, I don't understand. Here's what I'm trying to show you. As a Christian, you will still have problems in the flesh. But you know, you know, I got up this morning. I, I rose out of bed this morning and I was on the way to church. And Renee says, you're not doing good. I said, I, I, this is the truth. I am shouting hallelujah in my spirit. In my flesh, I feel pretty raunchy. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? I couldn't really get my flesh to, to show what was on the inside because my flesh was feeling bad. Because I'm a Christian does not mean I'll always feel good. Because I'm a Christian does not mean I won't have those days I just think, oh, this stinks. But because I'm a Christian, every single day can be a glorious day because I am saved. And I'm not talking about a fake smile that says I get to go to heaven, but I hate life. I'm talking about in my heart. I woke up, this is God's honest truth. I woke up this morning, I think this nearly every single day. I, a lot of you know I had a really, really bad week this week. I really struggled. My flesh struggled this week. It was, it was horrible. Josh kept telling me every day, he'd see me, he said, Dad, you got to do good. Dad, you got to do good. Dad, Easter's coming, you got to do good. I said, Josh, I feel terrible. And in my inside, I'm saying, I'm excited, but on my outside, I said, I feel terrible. And they, they, I was so tired and I was sick and didn't feel good and had all these things going on. But here, Here's what I kept thinking all week long. Listen, this is the honest truth. I kept thinking I am living a paradise life. I could not have a better life. Life is gloriously good. Now I felt terrible. But I got an awesome wife. I mean that. I have, I have two awesome kids. I have two awesome uh, uh, spouses to my kids. I have the most awesome grandkids. I have a church family that will blow your mind how great they are. Listen, when I'm around you guys, I love you guys. There's a joy, there's a fellowship, there is something here in this building that money cannot buy and that the whole world is looking for. And it's because of the gospel. I've said this many times, and I'm not trying to be funny here, I'm trying to be dead serious. But how many of you know we wouldn't want to be together without the gospel? 
We come out here and we love being together. We love fellowship. We love eating, hey, right? We, we love doing things, working here. And we love worshiping God. And we love all this. And we have fun being together. We have fun coming to church. But it is because the gospel of Jesus Christ has changed us and made us what we are. And you take that out and none of us really want to be around each other. Right? But because we have the gospel, church is not boring. And church is fun. You know, the Bible says, you know, you pass from death into life because you love the brother. I've thought about that so many times and people get saved and they say, well, I don't really like being around Christian people. And I don't really like, you know, I don't really, I don't really like Christian people. They're kind of, you know, kind of boring. Can I tell you, when you get the gospel and you're around people who have the gospel, you're going to want to be around people who have the gospel. Because it's fun. I think it's fun to come to church. I think it is gloriously fun to worship with you guys. I think it is gloriously fun when we just get together and, and hang out. I, I think church is fun. And, and, and the gospel has given me a perfect life. Listen, I am just like you. I have problems. My flesh is sick. I don't always feel good. But can I tell you, I don't know how I could possibly have a better life than what I have right now. And I think all of you would feel the same way. Me and Sister Bessie fight all the time. I know I'm right and she's wrong, but me and Sister Bessie, but she says that, God, that, that she's God's favorite. But he treats me like I'm his favorite. He treats me like he likes me better than all the rest of you. Now that's the way I feel. Anybody with me? This Christian life is not a life of doom and gloom and suffering and bore till we get to heaven. This Christian life is a good life. It is a good life. Listen, if I could get rid of my body and Renee could get rid of her body, there would be no nothing but perfect. Right? And sometimes when we come to church, every once in a while, our flesh rubs the other flesh the wrong way. Amen? But in the Spirit, don't we all just love each other? Is anybody getting the picture that I'm drawing? Getting back to the garden. So we got, we got a few billion people out there on the planet right now, and they're looking for what we got inside this building. They don't know it, but they are. Brother Miguel, a few billion out there looking for it. They don't know they're looking for it, but they are looking for it. And they're trying to fix it with every other way. But what we need to be not focusing on is, if you get to be a Christian, you could be miserable and give up all your fun and quit sinning and do all boring things. But what we need to be telling them is, we have the answer that will not only keep you out of hell, but will give you a brand new life where everything is gloriously good here and now. Amen. And boy... That makes me want to be a Christian. Amen. That makes me want to be a Christian. How can we not be excited about that? And with all that, as good as that is, perfect marriage, perfect family, perfect life, um, a perfect church family. Today, I have a perfect fellowship with God. Think about that. Listen, I don't have to go to a priest. I don't have to find my pastor. I don't have to find somebody else. I can get down all alone by myself and say, Lord, I need to talk to you right now. And you know what, Sister Bessie? He stops everything for me. <laughs> Think about that. The God of heaven who's running the universe says, Son, I'm going to stop everything I'm doing right now and just listen to what you got to say. Can we just stop right there and shout a little bit? 
Amen. Now, that's what it feels like to me, because I feel like when I get down, Sister Bessie, and I talk to him, I feel like he says, I'm all yours, son. I ain't listening to nobody but you right now. What do you need? What's that worth? Why would anybody not want that? That is the gospel. And that's as close as we're going to get to getting back into the Garden of Eden. Amen. We got to drag. But, but Romans told us, soon and very soon, I'm getting rid of this flesh. I'm trading it in. Either the rapture is going to come or I'm going to die. But real soon, I'm getting rid of this problem that I have. And my spirit will then just be released and I'll get a brand new body that doesn't have sin. Amen. So, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. Everybody ought to want that. So if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, what we are offering you is to turn in all of your sins and get His righteousness and go to heaven. What we're offering you is to turn in your attempts at being happy and let Him be your joy. What we are offering you is a brand new life. It's nothing like you could even imagine how great it is. Why wouldn't anybody want that? If you're here this morning and you are a Christian and you've already been saved, and maybe you just didn't understand, and you've not been living with that joy, Resurrection Sunday today, let's get that fixed. Let's say, I'm going to start living with joy. I'm going to enjoy my Christian life. I'm going back to the garden where everything's perfect. And I'm going to live that victorious life now. And and one more category. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, and you're living that glorious Christian life that you're living in victory, and you say it's the best life anyone could ever live, why don't we say glory, hallelujah? Amen? Why don't we appreciate what we have and say, I'm so thankful to be a Christian. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together and bolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.